many, many, many young men are coming into marriage with some form of addiction to pornography. Uh, for many of them, it started at the age of 8 or 9 or 12. And so for years, they've had sex on demand when they want it, how they want it, a beautiful woman displaying herself without any effort he can have that. Now all of a sudden, a young man is thrown into a marriage where he actually has to listen to his wife and try to understand her needs and try to figure her out and try to wait to please her, and he can't do it. It's too complicated. And he goes back to that instant gratification. What's easy? And and what's fulfilling? I mean, he's used to eating cotton candy, and now you're saying, enjoy an apple. It doesn't taste sweet. And so the normal beauty and pleasure of sexual intimacy that God's designed has been destroyed. What Dr. Julie Slattery said is sadly where many people find themselves today. In fact, we knew a couple that seemed to have a great marriage. Really under the surface, pornography was robbing them of their joy, of their trust, of true intimacy. And in case you're wondering, that that couple was us. I'm Dr. Greg Smalley, and I'm joined by my wife, Erin. We'd like to welcome you to a new podcast series from Focus on the Family, No Porn Marriage. Erin, right off the bat, there are many couples who find themselves in the same place where we were. Yeah, absolutely. If you find yourself in this place, you're definitely not alone. The the statistics are staggering. Over 40 million Americans are viewing porn regularly. 40 million, that is a ton. And Sunday is the most popular day that pornography is viewed. 11 years old is the average age that kids are are typically exposed. And honestly, the, the devastating thing is Pornography increases the chance of infidelity in your marriage by 300%. So if you are listening to this and you're hearing these statistics, I'm hoping that you're, you're hearing what I'm hearing, that you are not alone. You know, oftentimes when we talk about pornography, it seems like, well, this is obviously a male problem. But Aaron, I know sadly that many women are wrestling with this as well. Absolutely, Greg. 30% of porn users are women. And 33% of women ages 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. So it definitely is not just men. There are women as well that are suffering, that are struggling through a porn addiction or occasional porn use. Yeah, it's something that both men and women are dealing with and certainly what they're struggling with inside their marriage. Well, Aaron and I recently had a chance to sit down with Pastor D.A. Horton and his wife, Alicia. They are pastors at Reach Fellowship in Long Beach, California, and they are very open about their past struggles with pornography. So here now is a part of the conversation with them. D.A. and Alicia Horton, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for letting yeah, us be here. It's thank a privilege. You for yeah, well, we know that through your book that you've shared your kind of your own struggle with both of you with around pornography. So we'd, we'd love to, to hear that. So maybe Alicia, we'll, we'll start with you. What, what did that struggle look like for you? Being a young teenager and, you know, going through the whole puberty change and all those things that, you know, we go through as adolescents, I didn't understand a whole lot about what to expect. Um, I know that looking back now and when I stopped and thought about it, I didn't realize that, even my um, my sexual abuse as a young child kind of catapulted me in that direction of mm. curiosity, more mm. so had I not been abused and exposed to things that I wouldn't have been exposed to. 
And so I feel like that kind of coupled with that, with my curiosity about things, I just realized I found myself having an enticement to watch things, you know, that I wasn't supposed to. Here's the crazy thing, you know, being where we grew up, we didn't have a whole lot of money to have cable. So I didn't have that. So whenever I went to a family member's house that did have that, that's Mm. when I would sneak that and just, um, you know, find myself indulging in that and later obviously feeling bad about it, but not seeing anything really wrong with it. And so that was kind of my experience as a teenager. Um, Not really, again, not having anybody to talk to about it, not having anybody to say, hey, that's wrong. Um, It was kind of the norm. I go back to school and people were talking about it. So I just felt this is normal, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of something that that I've struggled with as a young teenager. Would you, you said that it was curiosity and much of it was as a result of some of the abuse you had experienced. Would you say, was there something else that you were seeking through viewing pornography or specifically um, once you were married, was there something that you were seeking? Because there's there's research out there that says that married women are viewing pornography more than single women. Mm. For me as a married woman, I'll speak on that first and I'll go back okay. to the first question. For As a married woman, I didn't feel like there was much of a curiosity anymore because okay. I felt like you know, now that I have been able to experience sex inside the boundaries of marriage, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I need to explore that anymore. And I praise God that even in my latter teenage years, going into adulthood, I had literally sought the Lord and asked him to, you know, free me mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that that was something I was being able to overcome. Awesome. And so as a married woman, I didn't have that because I, I'm thinking differently now. I'm thinking, okay. okay, I'm seeking fulfillment from my husband. I'm getting that. So... I didn't really feel any type of enticement to view things to give me any other, you know, outside pleasure, you okay. know, if that kind of answers your question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so more as a teenager, it was the yeah. curiosity of it. And yeah. Body changes happening. Body changes happening. I felt like because I was exposed to things at a young age, um, being sexually abused, that sparked my curiosity. I'm like, why is this, you know, why am I thinking about this? You know, right. what I saw, I want to see again you know, as a young you know child and not realizing that was unhealthy, you know, because right. as a young child, you're not supposed to, you know, know about these things in this type of a way. Right. And so not having told my parents that had happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't have anybody really to protect me, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, to not only myself physically, but my mind. Mm-hmm. And so for me to like, um, go through that for those years, I, I look back, I'm like, yeah, no wonder why I was so curious to like, um, view those things, you know, cause I wanted to seek that pleasure and that fulfillment again. Mm. Yeah. The so. curiosity gets ignited. Oh, absolutely. From going through the sexual abuse you talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then to yeah. not have anybody to, to help guide you through that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. At what point then did you share that with DA? That's a really good question because, um, it took me five years into our marriage, mm. um, okay. where I talked about, um, my sexual abuse Mm. And then became a little bit more open with my struggle with pornography as a young as a young girl. And so that really opens our connection and took our intimacy as husband and wife even deeper in a good way, because I have now felt like I was going to be protected by Mm. somebody who not only loved me for who I was, regardless of what I went through, but was saying, hey, I'm, a will- I'm willing to walk you through this so mm-hmm. that you can have healing in that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was very liberating mm-hmm. because I had never experienced that ever in my life. You know, and as much as I knew if I told my parents, they would have wanted to protect me. I know they would have. But 
because I experienced that and felt such guilt and shame for what I had experienced and not realizing that I was a victim, you know, not being somebody that was preying upon people and the things that had happened to me. It's so hard, again, as a young child to wrestle through all those feelings and realizing, okay, you were a victim. It's okay to talk about that. And so I feel like now for once in my life, being able to be loved by somebody who looks at me no differently, mm. I felt the freedom and liberty to be like, okay, this is okay, and we can talk about this mm. and have real conversations. Oh, you struggle too? Okay, great. We're gonna we're gonna work through this together. Yeah. So, so. in many ways, you took a big risk, and it really Very paid off. Oh, absolutely. Relationally and individually. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, because that can be a scary thing. Oh, I mean, you yes. had to live with that secret for such a long time yeah. and I know fear, fear of, you know, what will he do mm-hmm. with that story that can keep a lot of people from sharing that, a lot of women from sharing that. What, yeah. what was he doing specifically that kind of helped you to feel safe enough to show him that part of you? I think the first thing, and we, we say this now that we talk about this a little bit more, is that acknowledging my hurt. Mm. I think that was very important for me because I felt like because you're the first person I'm telling, mm. you just acknowledging it and being sorrowful with me uh, made me feel like all the more protected. Like, okay, I'm in good hands. Mm. You know, it's not going to fall on deaf ears and you actually care and you're asking the right questions that makes me understand that you really want to know the depth of my pain. Instead mm. of dismissing that or oh, making light of it, oh, sounds absolutely. like he, he, he joined you in that empathy I mean all those kind of good relationship skills yeah and i I, and well done i liken it to, yeah. yeah and i liken it to an example that he gave me because even as years down the road when i got a diagnosis physically for my health um he would always tell me like listen like this is not your struggle like i'm in the struggle with you and you're not fighting this disease by yourself. I'm actually in the ring. And that makes all the difference, you know. So for that abuse and the things that I endured, that's what he did. He got in the ring with me and said, we're going to fight this together. Do I love their transparency and to hear how they really tackled this issue together as a team. I know for me, I was first exposed to pornography as a young teenager. Some kids in the neighborhood found some dirty magazines out by the garbage. We ended up looking at them, and that really launched me into this whole issue. Although it never really came out in our marriage until a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. In a very, I wouldn't say comical way, but just a a very unique way. Because what happened was I was on a business trip with some colleagues, three of us guys, We were out to dinner and just ended up having a real powerful conversation where we just openly shared some struggles, some things that we had dealt with within our marriage. I mean, I loved it because it was like, everybody is kind of sharing their stuff. And I loved that. Well, after we came home, I know that one of the guys told his wife that, boy, we had this great conversation. I was able to share about my struggles with pornography and and just he and his wife end up having a really, really good conversation because they had dealt with this over the years. But then you, I think, ran Mm -hmm. into this wife. Oh, I was just at a mom's group one Tuesday and this wife came up to me and said, wow, it sounds like our husbands had some really deep conversation the other night at dinner. And I was like, oh, really? Tell me more. And she said that you guys had gone around and shared like the one area of struggle that you each had. And so I didn't bring it up when I saw you that night for whatever reason. And 
But later on in the week, we were teaching a marriage seminar. Yeah, ironically. And we had a, actually had a night off. And so we went to pick up some pizza in this drive-thru. And amidst the being in the drive-thru, I asked you, I said, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so told me that you and her husband and the other guy had a really great conversation and that you all shared an area of struggle within your personal life. Of course, so, I'm dying because I know where this is going. And I didn't necessarily know where it was going. And so I said, so what did you share? <laughs> and it got a little bit awkward really quick. It did because I think I said something like, hey, you know what? That was kind of between the three of us. And you continued to say, so tell me what was what was your secret? Oh, we, I, you know, I don't need to share every little thing with you. But you continued to press me persistent around this but not not in a super like unhealthy you know mean way or anything mm -hmm. but oh, i just remember my my heart sinking my stomach <laughs> churning and i finally just said all right if you really want to know i shared about my own struggle with pornography of course mm -hmm. i instantly launch into but i mean it's not like this this it's not a porn addiction i'm not you know doing this frequently it's very infrequent you know, i'm not going to any you know hardcore sites anything like that trying to minimize and marginalize so that it didn't hurt you because that was my biggest fear yeah. is instantly you thinking that somehow it was about you or what you know ways that somehow you're not adequate enough for me i have to be looking at this but yeah, it, but it was shocking to me. And granted, we had to teach a marriage seminar the next day. So I had to, you know, kind of put this <laughs> aside for the time being. But it was shocking. I had an idea that this may have been going on. I didn't get the sense that it was something that was super frequent. But I had I was I mean, I'm a therapist. I knew that this was a struggle that most men had. But as I continued to process this, not only that night, but for the next weeks and months, I asked a lot of those questions. There was a lot of grief that I had to work through. What does this mean about our relationship? What does it mean about being deceived? What does it mean about intimacy within yeah. our relationship? So it, it definitely sent me down a road of asking a lot of questions about me and about our relationship. And I'm so grateful that you asked that question because it set into motion an opportunity, one, for, for me to deal with this and also for us to deal with this. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm excited because over the course of our podcast series, we're going to share kind of how we ultimately had that conversation and what we've done and, and how we've grown mm -hmm. and benefited and how God has used that within our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I love that Alicia talked about how D.A. entered with her into the ring and that they walked this journey together. And in many ways, that is the same thing that we've done. And I see that walking this together, although there's many feelings and many different phases of that, that walking it together has been so healing within our relationship. It really has. And this is the opportunity that you have as well. And I know that a conversation like this could help you realize that I too need help. And if you're struggling with pornography or really any kind of sexual problem, we have counselors on staff that are here to talk to you. Our number is 1-800-A-FAMILY. Again, that's 1-800-A-FAMILY. No judgment, no condemnation. We're here just to help. So please don't hesitate to call us. Well, we're going to return now to more of our conversation with the Hortons. As D.A. shares about his own battle with pornography and how God has redeemed their marriage. Well, D.A., what, what about for you? I know that this is something that you've shared in your book as well mm -hmm. that you struggled with. Yeah, 
it's crazy because I was first exposed to pornography at six years old. Mm-hmm. And even as I'm thinking about it, I remember the day. I remember it was summer. I remember my next door neighbor saying I can borrow some of his video games on the Nintendo console that that, that he had. That um, he had a lot of games I didn't, and it was in his backpack. And he was back in town because they had moved away. And in that backpack was a videotape. And I remember putting the videotape in, and immediately it was uh, an orgy scene. Mm. And I I can never unsee that. Yeah. Mm. And it's 32 years later, and I yeah. still see that day. Yeah. Um, it imprints and, on your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really does, and it rewires you neurologically. Yeah. It really mm-hmm. does. And. And so, you know, that sparked a curiosity. But then growing up, like Alicia said, in the environments where we did, you know, it's an impoverished community. We call it the hood, the trap. There's various different ways to call it. But as as a young man growing up, your masculinity is daily checked by people and their assessment of you. So the more girls you pursue, your sexual prowessness, like that all says you're a man. This is what it means to be a man. And so, you know, constantly being told that, not by my dad, not by my older brother, but by the, the people that were stakeholders in my life, who was the, the, the neighborhood gang members, the, the dope dealers, like, they're the ones that we aspire to be like, you know, watching, you know, my friends, uh, a lot of them didn't have dads, so their moms had boyfriends, and the boyfriends had magazines, and they had videos, so, you know, we would see that, and as it almost seemed like pornography was a rite of passage, mm-hmm. um, where... You know, I just remember some of our <laughs> uncles, you know, it was, it was, it was, hey, stay away from that, you little cochino, which is a Spanish word, like, you little nasty, like, stay away from that. But then, you know, by the time we got 10, 11, 12, our uncles were telling us, hey, turn to Showtime or turn to this, turn on this channel, watch this. And they're coaching us, like, this is, you know, this is how you learn. This is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and that stuff really, uh, the way that God has wired me, that actually led to more insecurity than anything, mm-hmm than curiosity because it, it, it kind of like pornography kind of backfired in my in my mind in my life specifically because as I didn't know about Alicia's abuse until five years into the marriage I'm thinking how come she is not pursuing me or is as yeah. easy as what I see right. something's wrong with me yeah. these women do all these things with these guys on these videos she won't do that with me mm. And I'm not, I don't even have the courage to ask her to do these things. But at the same time, she's not pursuing me. She's not seeking after me. So pornography, as weird as it sounds, actually became a turnoff for Mm. me because I was like, I'm never going to be as good as those guys. I'm never going to be like where my wife is after me like that. So then why even invest in that hopelessness? Because I constantly am, I'm like just constantly tearing myself down. So in the rewiring of my brain, from viewing those things, I never was, in God's grace, addicted to the point that I couldn't function without it or anything along those lines. There was no accessibility. We didn't have cell phones, anything like that back then, like the young people have today. Right. But so for, scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is, cause that's, and that's why my heart goes out yeah. to them yes. right. um, to let them know, like, I was exposed to it. I can never unsee yeah. those images. But at the same time, let me help introduce you to the beautiful design that God has given sexual expression. And there's actually a boundary and there's a framework. But even operating as a married couple inside that boundary and framework doesn't mean it's always going to be pleasant. It's right. always going to be reciprocated. Um, and most of the time, this is the negative effects that pornography had on me is that I would objectify Alicia. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would strip away the Imago Dei. I would see her as uh, someone who was supposed to give me sexual pleasure. 
and not in a demeaning way to her, but even in my aggressive pursuits, just touching her, uh, saying, you know, things to her that are not inappropriate, but it's okay for a husband to say to his wife. But she would only say, man, you only pursue me when you want to have sexual intercourse. Yeah. Hmm. You don't engage me emotionally. You don't seek to help around the house. You don't think about me. Only time you really show attention is when you want that this evening. Right. And she had to like confront me in that. And I had to really look and say, man, why is it that way? And I began to recognize that as we began to process and dialogue, when she opened up about her sexual abuse, it made all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. And I and I wept because my heart was broke for her. I wish I could have been there to protect her that day mm-hmm. that it happened. So I'm angry myself, but I'm angry at these these gentlemen that did that. And then I'm also frustrated at the fact that, man, every time I touch her now, she has to relive this moment. And so mm-hmm. there was like this little girl meets this little boy that was exposed to sexuality way too soon before God had designed. And it's like these children were meeting for the first time in the most Mm -hmm. private, intimate corners of our hearts. And from that day forward, it hasn't been perfect. There's been struggles. There's been challenges. But at the same time, there's this desire to work through these things Mm -hmm. together with honest communication where Alicia will express to me, I am attracted to you. And I'm like, "I, I just don't believe you. I don't believe you, Alicia. And so we have to have those conversations. And then she's like, I want you to pursue me in these ways. And I'm like, but I tried to, but you shoot me down and you leave me with no answers. And I'm supposed to think I have to have all the right answers. I don't. So there's those constant conversations that we have to have. But the safety net and the security is, is that we know we're committed to the relationship. Christ is committed to us. So we will work through all these nuances, situation by situation. So mm-hmm. we're still mining out yeah. things from our past and, and our present. Mm-hmm. One thing that you said that really stands out is we all know pornography has an impact on marriage. So mm-hmm. if you're viewing this as a young child, as you guys both talk about, certainly it's going to impact the marriage relationship. For you, though, what I think people don't understand is that Pornography creates that objectification, yeah. mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that instant sexual gratification without having to pursue, pursue. the yeah. relationship, without yeah. having to win her yeah. heart. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, yes. and thus you walk that right into your marriage. Right. Yes. See, and, and that's the thing that, you know, because guys ask me regularly whether they're in community with me or not. I'm traveling, speaking. Man, were you ever addicted to porn? I was not addicted to the viewing aspect of it. But the objectification, yeah. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to recover from yeah. objectifying my own wife because I don't look at other women that way. And the reason Alicia knows that is she knows that about me. There's We could be in a movie theater and there's a, a sex scene and automatically I turn my eyes. She she shields my eyes. We shield eyes. Yeah. She'll be the first one to look. Okay, it's over. <laughs> you got glasses on so she can't yeah, look at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so You're protected. And I mean, yeah. you know, and some people may be like, oh, man, that's infantile. No, nah, man, I... Look, I don't need to see another woman's body. I don't need to see another man's body either. I don't. Like, I recognize the sacredness of that. Even yeah. even raising our daughters, like, yeah. they, they got yeah. to a certain age. And I said, okay, Mia, which is daughter, I can't give you a bath anymore. Mom is going to be the one because you need to learn that a male needs to respect your body. Only your husband should see your body from here on out. Daddy does not need to. And so trying to set yeah. those boundaries so that they'll recognize this is supposed to be safety, protection, and privacy. Right. Mm. And and we have to reinforce that so that, God forbid, if anybody did anything contrary to how mommy and daddy is with me, then I should tell mommy and daddy they've done this to me or they've watched me or they asked me to do this. And we have those conversations. Yeah. We just had one this last week with our, yeah. our 10-year-old. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. And how safe that must feel for you as well. You talked a lot about the protection to see him stepping in and absolutely doing that, living that out with your daughters. Oh, it's so encouraging to my heart because those, the things that stood out that he just said is that there's safety there, there's protection, there's a limitation and there's boundaries that we're creating for them that we didn't have ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like Oftentimes now, looking back as parents, we're like, man, we don't want to make the same mistakes, right? And I don't think it was a mistake that my parents made. I just felt like because they didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't give them the opportunity and we didn't have the freedom to talk about that, I would, I most certainly know they would have done everything they can. But we want our girls in this day and age that we live in, when it's everywhere explicitly, we need to talk about this. This is going to be a conversation that we have together and there's going to be safety here. There's going to be no shame. There's going to be, um, there's going to be a little embarrassment, you know, because it's mom and dad, but we want you to know that we want to learn these things together as a family. So when you are mature and ready to handle more in-depth conversations, you, you heard it from us first. Oh, I love their transparency. I love that they're just being real about what they faced and how they've allowed God to work through their brokenness. And Aaron, this really reminds me of 2 Corinthians 12, 9-11. I love this verse. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's exactly what the Hortons are doing. And that's, Aaron, what we want to do. We want to boast in our weakness because there is hope for people in Christ because he makes us strong. I can't do this on my own. So no matter how long you've struggled with this issue, there is always hope. Absolutely. I love that verse. And I love the one also in Second Corinthians that talks about he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others in any trouble. He allows these things to go on. Granted, there's choices that are made. There's sin. And as we work through this stuff, God is so faithful to use it. I mean, I can think back even to that weekend that we were speaking. Just trying to get pizza. (laughs) Just trying to get pizza and, you know, go about our, our business. But I can remember we stopped by to see a friend who we knew from graduate school. And we walked in and I started to have this deep conversation with her. And she shared with me that they had just been through major porn addiction. And he had gone inpatient for treatment and on and on. And I just remember going, you know what? I am not alone. And I also know that God allowed her to be there in that moment on that weekend that we saw them to comfort me. Well, if this is something that you're struggling with, we so want to come alongside of you. Focus on the Family has trained Christian counselors on our staff to help with practical tools for fighting against sexual temptation. To set up a consultation with one of our counselors and to get a referral, the number to call is 1-800-A-FAMILY. Again, that's 1-800-A-FAMILY. And be sure to visit our website at focusonthefamily.com slash NPM as in no porn marriage. There you'll find lots of helpful resources like our six-part video series called Discovering God's Freedom from Pornography. In it, Focus President Jim Daly talks with Nick and Michelle Stumbo about how God rescued their marriage from pornography. You can sign up for free and watch it on our website. Next time on No Porn Marriage, we'll be discussing how to guard our hearts from the harmful effects of sexualized content in the media. I'm Erin Smalley, and for my husband, Dr. Greg Smalley, and everyone at Focus on the Family, thanks for joining us.